radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome to Talking Real Money, the podcast. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for listening. Got a couple of your questions today, but we always love to answer questions. It's what we do this for, to help you. Um, So how do you ask questions? Well, it's really easy. You can send them in by going to TalkingRealMoney.com and hitting the contact button. We have one of those. Or you can call it in at 855-935-8255. And we have one of those. You just leave it on the digital thingy and it gets sent to me in an email and then I plug it in and answer it. So it's pretty darned easy. And you can do that anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even during the holidays. Our system even answers calls on Christmas Day. I know. I won't, but it will. And by the way, just a podcast note, next week we're only going to have a couple of podcasts because it's the holidays, and I'm going to be flying up to New York to see my mother, and so I'll be a few days where I won't be doing a podcast, although I will be doing my show live the Saturday after Christmas with Tom. We'll be on live that Saturday after Christmas. Not this coming Saturday, though because we're interrupted for a University of Washington bowl game that preempts our live show on KOMO radio that gets turned into a podcast. So hope that makes sense. But anyway, call us anytime, 855-935-TALK, or visit us anytime at TalkingRealMoney.com. And before we get started, I want to talk about an article that I read recently in the Wall Street Journal, which is one of my papers that I read on a daily basis. And this was one that came out a few days ago. Um, And the headline was, Economists Got the Decade All Wrong. They're Trying to Figure Out Why. Hmm. I think I can help them. Here's how it starts, the article. I'm going to read you the first paragraph, a little over the first paragraph, maybe into the second. This is by Greg Ipp, IP. In the fall of 2009, the global financial crisis had only just ended, and interest rates were a mere 0.1%. Peering ahead, economists assumed the recovery would resemble previous recoveries, though a tad slower, and thus rates would start rising the next year and plateau at 4.2% by 2015. The articles, the article, the articles, and there are other articles too. The article goes on to say that like Charlie Brown taking another run at the football, they made the same forecast year after year after year after year. And yet rates barely budged. They did rise a little for a while. And then they fell again. And yet no one predicted they would fall. Hmm. How could they, the economists of the world, the economists of America, get it so wrong when they're the experts? Shouldn't they know? Really, they're experts. It's what they do. Isn't their job to tell us the future? Well, it may be their job. But it's not in their skill set. And I don't care what their 
excuses are for getting it wrong, they don't mean anything because they're all looking in the rearview mirror. They got it wrong because they can't get it right. They can guess right, but they can't predict accurately and consistently. It's just not possible. Oh, but they have PhDs, so they want to believe that they have powers. PhDs give you superpowers, don't they? No. They make you very smart. They give you lots and lots of knowledge about the past and what has happened. But they imbue you with no prognosticative skill. That's why they got it wrong. Because getting it wrong is what we all do when it comes to the future. And the reason I bring this up over and over and over again, and I know it can get a little tiresome, the reason is because you persist in believing that someone is going to be able to tell you what the market or interest rates, or housing prices, or whatever it is, are going to do in the future. You persist in the belief that this is a reasonable skill. You, all of my fellow human beings, you need to get over it. I'm over it. I know that nothing can be predicted. I absolutely know it. I never ask anybody, so what do you think will happen? and expect an answer that's actionable. I might ask to get their opinion, but I would never act on it. I used to. I used to. I learned. You know, it's really sad. I've been learning the whole way, you know, through through that life thing. And and as I as I move closer and closer to the <laughs> inevitable end of life, it's still a ways off, I hope. I realize that I'm getting wiser every day, but there's going to reach a point where all that wisdom's of no use. So I've got to impart it as quickly as I can. So that's what I'm doing with this right now. I'm imparting it at this very moment. So there you go. Do with it as you may. <laughs> I hope it's helpful. And uh, please stop thinking people can predict the future. They can't. Why did they get it wrong? Because they can't. 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 855-935-8255. And I think maybe we'll start with the call. Hi, Tom and Don. This is Maurice, and I, I have tons of questions, but for the sake of letting other listeners ask their questions, I will only have one question for today. My question is about the uh, government uh, savings plan. I currently am investing in the C fund only, which has performed uh, pretty close to 30% year to date. Now, should I diversify the TSP and how should I diversify it? My risk tolerance is pretty high and this is money that I will probably never use. It will be inheritance for others. So, uh, that's my question, and 
thanks for the show. It's a great show. Thank you. Please feel free to call and ask all those other questions if you'd like. We love your questions. But let's answer this one. The Thrift Savings Plan, the TSP, the Government Thrift Savings Plan, is a wonderful tool. It's a uh, massive index product. The C fund is based on the S&P 500, which is common stocks. Maybe that's what the C stands for. I don't know. Probably. But they have other funds. Now, as you said, you're very aggressive. You don't expect to ever need this money. And if that is actually the case and this suggestion is based on that statement, then you probably don't need bonds in there if you're willing to ride it out as the market fluctuates. But I do think you should diversify more. You can't diversify a lot more because they don't have a lot of choices. But you do have the opportunity and you, again, you said you're aggressive, so I'm going to be a little aggressive with you. Just, you know, trim this as you see fit. But first, I would split the money half in the U.S. and half in international. The international fund is called the I fund. So I would have half of your money in the I fund. And then here's where it gets a little tricky. There's also a fund called the S fund, and that's small company stocks. Now, small company stocks have historically, and it makes perfect sense. They're littler companies. They have more room to grow. They have traditionally returned a lot more, a lot more. I mean, a lot, like over almost 100 years, dramatically, uh, more than large blue chip stocks. However, when they go down, they go down a lot, uh, maybe up to 70 or 80 percent is a possibility in a year. So what does that mean? That means that you've got to be able to accept that if you can accept that. And I would not be at all bothered with a portfolio that was 25 percent in C, 25 percent in S, 50 percent in I. If it was mine, I'd probably do that. If it was money I was never going to need and I was certain. And see, I can say I am certain I'm going to sit tight when the market goes down because I've done it over and over again. If you can say that, then that may be a reasonable way to go. Thanks for the call. Call anytime. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And now our next question is one that was typed in. Oh, I actually have a keyboard, so I could type it. Um, pretend to type for sound effects purposes. The subject is dollar cost averaging. The question is, was talking with a Vanguard advisor with my daughter about her account. He insists on lump sum investing, not dollar cost averaging. Oh, he, I'm sorry, I misread that. He insists that lump sum investing, not dollar cost averaging, is the way to invest. I am wondering about your position. I will share my position with you. Dollar cost averaging is great for regular contributions to a fund. It's a discipline. You put money in as you earn money. That's dollar cost averaging. The dollar cost averaging I think you may be referring to is almost like market timing. So I'm going to side with the Vanguard advisor. If you have the money... It is just sitting there doing pretty much nothing. It is meant to be invested for the long term. Then put it in something. You don't know what the market's going to do. And what you're doing by kind of dribbing and drabbing it in is basically saying, I think the market's going to go down. 
because you wouldn't put it in in dribs and drabs if the market was rising, right? If you thought it was going to go up, wouldn't you put it all in today? See, it's tricky dollar. It's tricky market timing. It's a game we play with our heads. Well, I'm going to put it in slowly just in case the market goes down. Well, it could go down, but you're making a bad bet because it goes up or it has gone up. I've got to learn to talk in the past tense. It has gone up quite a bit more than it's gone down historically, which is all we have to go by. So, yeah, Vanguard Advisors right, in my opinion. Thank you for the note. And, again, send notes in to TalkingRealMoney.com. Hit the contact button. Plus, while you're there, check out the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Do that there or at your favorite podcasting service like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, also, go watch the videos. There's some good videos there on how you find an advisor, how you create income in a portfolio, how investing has changed over the years. And we're going to put many, many more up. We're working on one more new one for the end of the year, and then we'll have one or two a month for the rest of the new year. That's the plan anyway. So check it out and uh, share what we do with friends. Because really, the more the merrier. This is a good gift you can give somebody, and it doesn't cost you anything. Just say, go listen to Talking Real Money or read Real Investing Journal or both. By the way, we have a newsletter called Real Investing Journal. Check that out, too. Realinvestingjournal.com. So let's see. You can leave questions. You can call us at 855-935-TALK. You always have access to financial answers that are going to be as close to honest as you're going to find anywhere. We're going to tell you the truth. We can't guarantee we're going to be right, but we are going to tell you the truth. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again in a day or two or whatever, and just keep listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.